Well, today we come to, uh, to, to, to something I, I've changed my mind about. Um, after last week preaching about our connect groups that are starting, I understood, I understood very quickly that I needed to do a part two um, because of the amount of questions. So we're going to, today, um, we're going to talk about a continuation of what we looked at last week um, about, our, about creating authentic community in our church. We're going to do a, we're going to do a kind of a part two or maybe a little more in depth on another component of that. Um, because as we've been evaluating ourselves as a church against our purposes, um, we found that that one area in our church that needs to get stronger, talk about last week was our left arm, right? Remember our little illustration, Portview Pete? We're going to rename him. We're trying to figure out, come up with a new name for Portview Pete. Okay? You visitors don't know who Portview Pete is. Do we have Portview Pete in there? Put, I know I didn't tell you to put him on there, but I'm messing with you. Put him up. There he is. We've got to come up with a new name for him. But anyways, he's not the five-part purpose guy. So, you know, and, and some of you are calling him bathroom guy because I said he was from the, looks like the guy in the bathroom door. But um, we've been evaluating in, 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 a, in a get up against this and saying, here's an evaluation tool. And we talked about last week how we evaluated and we concluded our left arm is kind of weak as a church, that we need to get better at connecting authentically with others in the family of God. And so, um, in in effort to do that today, um, what I want to do is kind of two things. It's going to be a little different than normal. So if you're visiting with us, this isn't exactly uh, how church would run, because I'm going to kind of split my time in half here of the, of the, the next, you know, about 30 minutes that we have together. Um, so today what we're going to do is is two things pertaining to this idea of developing authentic community within our church. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to put a few more stones, spiritual stones, into our spiritual foundation of our understanding of why or how we need to create authentic community through the connect groups that we're going to be starting. You know, last week we laid uh, part of the foundation by looking at the three things that we all need in our lives that connect groups offer. And if you missed that sermon last week, I really encourage you to go on our website, go to the podcast, it doesn't cost you anything, listen to that message, because it explains a lot about what we're talking about. It was part one of what we're going to look at in briefly today. So we're looking at, at uh, you know, the, some foundational stones or foundations of why we need these connect groups. You know, so today I want to explain a couple more things that help us accomplish um, the authentic community that we need to develop. The second thing we're going to do then in the message, kind of the second half this morning, is we're going to answer some of the questions that people have been asking about the structure of the Connect Group ministry that we are going to be launching at the end of this month. Palm Sunday, the evening of Palm Sunday, the 24th, that evening, we're starting something called a group link to, to launch our small group ministry. So we're going to do the last half of our time together today as Pastor Chris is going to join me up here because Pastor Chris has been brought on staff to help develop and oversee the development of our small group ministry. He's going to join me up front here and we are going to answer some questions that, are, that are, have been asked to us repeatedly over the last couple of weeks. And we tried to, to boil them down and put them on an on a insert that's in your bulletin today. We're going to answer those questions that are in your bulletin as the second part of our time together today. Because we found these are the main questions that people have been asking us, and we want you to understand where God is leading us. 
so that we can get on board and we can experience the fullness that God has for us as a church. So the first thing we're going to do is this, I said. We're going to put a few more stones into the foundation, spiritually, of our understanding about the need to establish authentic community in our church family by establishing connect groups that we're going to be launching at the end of this month. And the things that I want to point out today um, are how connect groups can correct some myths that we commonly believe about Christianity. You want to know something about your life and my life? We don't have this whole Christian thing figured out yet. You never will to the day you die. And so we always, we, always have, we always have growing and learning to do. I don't care how long you walk with Christ. There's still things we need to understand. And I've, I've found that there's some myths that we tend to believe about Christianity that I'm going to show you today that, that um, they can be busted by establishing a small group ministry, our connect group ministry. So today, we're going to be Mythbusters. Alright? I should have had the Mythbuster logo up there, but I kind of thought, I don't know if anybody like me watches that on cable. Anybody's a Mythbuster fan? Okay? Like six of us. So, so uh, that shows that there's some of us that are kind of odd, like me. So we like to see how things, uh, people say, well, that doesn't work or not work, and it's, it's cool to watch as they try to bust the myths. We're, we're going to be Mythbusters today. We're going to bust two myths that the church generally holds. Okay? This is the first myth that we're going we're gonna to bust today. We're going to debunk today. And it's a myth that I want to call the holy man myth. Okay? So let's bust the holy man myth today. And this is what the holy man myth is. See, there's a falsehood that often hinders our churches, and it's this. It's the idea that pastors and clergy somehow have greater access to God than other Christians do. That somehow the pastor's at a higher level, a a higher connection to God. I know this is true because when I go fishing with people, they cuss and swear and do all these things, and somebody will happen to say, I'm a pastor, and everybody starts talking about world peace. Happens all the time. And so they think, "Uh uh-oh, somehow you're closer to God than the rest of us are. So it's a myth, and the myth isn't just out there, the myth is in here. Like we come across, I come across it almost every day in some form as I interact with people in the church. Thinking that somehow a pastor, a clergy person, has a greater access to God than other Christians do. And that false belief that real ministry, real ministry, is done by real ministers, meaning clergy, and that if a person really needs real ministry... What they have to do is they, you know, they need healing prayer or spiritual guidance. That then what they have to do is go to the pastor because that's his real job. That's the myth. That somehow pastors have a greater connection to God than anybody else does. It's, it's a myth that we need to bust today. The problem with this thinking, there's a real problem with it. It's not just, oh, well, whatever, people think the wrong thing. No, it affects how God can use us as a church. See, the problem in thinking is this. First of all, what it does, and this is just from the human side, is that it puts unrealistic burdens upon a few people to meet the needs of a whole group of people. And here's the reality of that. It just doesn't work. One or two pastors can't meet the spiritual needs of hundreds and hundreds of people. So what that myth, what happens is, oftentimes people don't get their spiritual needs really met the way God intended, because everybody's trying to drain it out of a couple people. So what it does is it, it kills the people in ministry... And it leaves the other people without being ministered to adequately. You want to know a truth about ministry? I've been a senior pastor for 23 years, I think. Of the people I started in ministry with, maybe 25% are still in ministry. 
75% are not 23 years later. You want to know the reason why? This myth. It's the myth that says a couple guys can meet the needs of an entire congregation and they get so fried and so burnt, they either quit or they implode. They implode by having an affair. They implode by embezzling money. They implode by doing something stupid and they just leave. The reason for it isn't that they ever started off that way. The reason is because of this myth. The holy man myth that people try to put them on a thing and basically suck the life out of them for 25 years and eventually they just give up or they self-destruct. It's a myth. You know, oftentimes a church's capacity to grow and to have greater spiritual impact in their community is hindered by the belief that one or a few pastors can meet all their spiritual needs. So it not only destroys the pastors, but it destroys a church's ability to reach a community. Because it's, it's, a, it's a bottleneck. It stops with the capacity of one person. Because once the pastor or the pastors are maxed out in their capacity to care and to handle things, that church then stops growing and its impact is halted. It's why you see most churches grow to a certain size, between 100 and 200, stay there for a very long time, and then begin to decline. It's because of this holy man myth. See, having a holy man who meets everybody's spiritual needs isn't at all New Testament Christianity. We think it's being spiritual. Some of you think, well, that's the way I've always known it, but understand something today, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But that's not New Testament Christianity. I don't know what it is, but it's not New Testament Christianity. See, the New Testament promotes something that we call theologically the priesthood of believers. The priesthood of believers is the idea that says that every follower of Christ has the privilege of direct access to God. That there are no people who are holier than thou. Okay? Hebrews 4.16 says this. Hebrews 4.16 says, We, all of us, doesn't say clergy, we, all of us, can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. It says all of us can do that. We all can come into a right relationship with God, and then we, through Christ, and then we can all, as Christians, have direct access to the Father. That we don't need an Old Testament priest to go before us to God, and get this, because you might say, well, I know that. But you also don't need a pastor to go before God for you. Because Scripture teaches that Jesus is the high priest who died for all of us, gave us all access to the Father. So it says here that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. So all of us have access to the Father. And then based upon that idea, then Ephesians 4 tells us, chapter 4 of Ephesians, kind of the whole section starting about verse 11, tells us that pastors, the pastor's job, is to equip those people who have direct access to God, to equip the saints, look at the person next to you and say, if you know Jesus, you're a saint. You are. That's what the Bible, remember, the church world has kind of messed it up for us because we think, we think that saints are super Christians, But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, if you know Christ, you're a saint. And so Ephesians 4 tells us the pastor's job is to equip the saints, that's you and me who know Christ, for works of service. The pastor's job is to equip others so they can function in the ministry roles that God has called them into. The pastor's job isn't to do all the ministry as the holy man, but rather to help other people learn to function in the ministry that God has called them to do. Does that make sense so far? 
Okay, now let's get to small groups. Now, here is how connect groups can be busted. How they bust this holy man myth. Connect groups will be meeting in homes and places and apartments all over the community and communities which will make it impossible for a pastor to be in every one of these places every time they meet. And as a result, what's going to happen is other people will need to step up into spiritual leadership and people will have to minister to one another without the presence of what people want to call the holy man. People other than the pastor will pray for the sick and surprise, surprise, as they pray for the sick, people are going to get healed. The priesthood of believers will be functioning wherever we gather as a connect group. And so it kind of begins to debunk, to break that myth. Small group ministries multiply ministry opportunities. Small groups give more people the opportunity to function in the gifts of the Spirit and to step up into spiritual leadership. And I want you to understand something, church. We've been going on a path to get to this for a long time. Can I give you a little insight? You've been being trained for this for a very long time. Um, I think I've shared this maybe before, but if you're visiting with us about twice a month, we do something called prayer circles. That in our church service, in the, in the structure of our flow of our service, we actually stop and we have a time where we pray for one another in the service. We call it our prayer circles. Two or three people, four people share their needs. They pray for each other. If they sense that God's got something to say through them, they say it to each other. And we've been doing this for for a number of years now. Instead of everyone needing to come forward to have one of the holy men pray for them, we still give you the opportunity to do that. What's been happening is each of you have been praying for and ministering to each other. What you've been doing is exercising the reality of the priesthood of the believers. Now it's time to take this into our connect groups and to multiply our kingdom impact. So that's how we bust that myth. We bust the myth of the holy man by other people stepping up into spiritual leadership in our connect group ministries, praying for each other, ministering to each other, and seeing God do work through people and saying, guess what? We all do have access to the Father through the Son. Does that make sense? So our connect groups bust the holy man myth. So that one's busted when we do this. You may still believe it, but I'll keep trying to bust it, okay? You know this, I always tell you, my job for 23 years, I try to knock myself off a pedestal. And that doesn't mean I don't take responsibility, because you know me, I take responsibility. But I try to put things in a New Testament context that it's, he's the head. Jesus is the head of the church, not me. And that our job, God still raised up spiritual leaders. He still puts myself and staff and deacons in the place of spiritual leadership. We've got to make decisions. Sometimes people don't like the decisions. we still got to do it because we're responsible. But it doesn't mean we're closer to God. We don't have a different connection to God. We just have a different job in the kingdom. Does that make sense? So, and doesn't mean, and, and oftentimes with the leadership comes giftings for leadership, and oftentimes spiritual giftings come so you say, you know what, I do pray for people and I see them get healed. We do see that happen. God does speak to leadership. And so I'm not, I'm not diminishing leadership, I'm just taking it out of the role of trying to think that the leadership means that you're hired to God or you've got a greater connection to God. We're priesthood of believers, we all have a connection to God. Small group ministries, connect group ministries, help to bust the holy man myth. Got that one? We've got to keep moving because we've got to bring Pastor Chris up here in a minute. Second thing, there's another myth that connect groups can bust. And this one's I'm going to call the holy place myth. The holy man myth, and now the holy place myth. It's this. 
It's the idea that God's presence is somehow greater in some places than it is in other places. Usually we believe God spends more time at church. You know, um, He's more real in a room that we call a sanctuary than He is in some other building on the planet. You know, that, my friends, is a myth. I don't know what you've been taught in the past, but it's a myth. God's not more real here than He was. He's only more real here because we're gathered in His name. But if we gathered in His name in a field, He'd be just as real there. Um, that idea of God being more real here is not New Testament Christianity. Now, God is everywhere all the time. Always present, always active. There is not more of God here than there is in your living room. And I think this myth gets its roots from the Old Testament, which is the foundation of the New, where God displayed His presence in the Jewish temple and tabernacle. So we see that where God dwelt in a tent, and then He dwelt in one temple, and the temple was destroyed, and they rebuilt it, and He dwelt in that temple. You know, so that when they erected the original temple, Solomon comes to dedicate the temple, and the presence of the Lord comes so real into that first temple, His presence is so powerful that the people couldn't even stand up, they couldn't minister. And so we get the idea that God dwelt there. We get this idea that in the Old Testament, God said He dwelt in the temple and the tabernacle. But we need to understand what the New Testament teaches, what it says about where God really dwells today. Scripture is really clear. Where does it say that God dwells? In each one of us. Somebody said it nice and clear. Grab your Bibles. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. Two verses, 19 and 20. I like the way it starts. It says, Or do you not know? In other words, some people misunderstand. Or do you not know? In other words, we could not know. Some people could think, No, God is stronger here, more real here, than He can be anywhere else because this is dedicated to the Lord. And I would say that it's not New Testament Christianity. Verse 19 of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians says this, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. I was going to stop at that part of verse, of, of, of verse 19, but I thought we need to see the whole picture here. That you, he says, the temple, you are a temple whom the Spirit dwells in, and you, um, the temple whose Spirit who's from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God. In your body. God has chosen to dwell in us by His Spirit. And what it says in this verse is that He purchased you to do that. If you purchase something, you have the right to do with it what you will, correct? Right? You buy it, you do what you want. The text we just read says God purchased you when you came to Christ. He bought you with the blood of Christ. You are now His. And as His, He says, now I dwell with you in the Spirit, and that you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. So people who say, I just want to live however I want, you don't get something. You can't be a follower of Christ and just do what you want, because you've been purchased now. You submitted to that purchase. You said, okay, I receive you, Jesus. So He bought you, and now He says, I'm going to make you into a temple of My Spirit. So He bought us, and He placed His Spirit within us. And understand this, this is what I want you to get today. God does not dwell in a holy place. 
He dwells in holy people. God does not dwell in a holy place. He dwells in holy people. Now listen, here's how we bust the myth of this. One of the ways. Small groups bust the holy place myth because when people start to see God working in their homes and their apartments, they realize He's really there in power. They realize then that any place and every place is a holy place because holy people are ministering there. It's not about the building, it's about who fills the building. People who have been bought and made into temples of the Holy Spirit. When we minister in our homes, and our connect groups, we realize, you know what, we realize that when we serve communion together, we partake in communion together in a home, around a kitchen table, we understand that it's just as powerful there and as meaningful there as it is on a Sunday morning in church. And when we multiply ministry by multiplying ministers through connect groups, we find that God is just as likely to answer prayers in a living room as He is in a sanctuary. And we will see more prayers answered because of connect groups, because we'll have more prayer happening. Right? Because we'll be doing it. It's not based on a holy man in a holy place. It'll be based in your living room going on all the time. Not just at a church service. It'll be all different times. All different places where, where holy people meet to make a place a holy place. So one of the reasons that we need connect groups is to bust these myths that we tend to believe. You know, that, that hinder New Testament ministry. You know, I want us to be all that God wants us to be. And I want us to experience God more fully as He uses us to impact our community. Right? So, we can bust these myths if we, by understanding that God will work through any of us, that we're all holy people when we come to Christ, and that there is no certain holy place that's more holy than another when it's dead when a bunch of holy people meet in that place. So that's how connect groups can bust up some of those myths. So you got you, that makes sense this morning? Alright, now we need to switch gears. Pastor Chris, I invite you to come up at this time. And we are going to take a few minutes and we're going to talk about the answers to these questions. Because we've laid a few spiritual rocks in the foundation. Maybe some foundational ideas that you really didn't get before. But here's what we found as we've been putting together our small group ministry. That it was interesting. Last week, somebody, more than one person, said to somebody else, Boy, we're going to take a survey and they're going to push us, we're going to put us in groups. And And Suzanne said to me, How could anybody have understood that? You know, but here's what I know about communication. Communication is a, I send a message to you, it's coded. You hear a coded message and you've got to decode it. Sometimes there's a breakdown in the communication. So what we want to do is we want to explain some of the most important things about connect groups so that when we launch this thing off in a couple of weeks, that we get to bust these myths. We get to get the blessings that last week we talked about that come from it. And ultimately what we get is our left arm is stronger the left arm of our church that is saying we need to create authentic community between one another in the church where we have friends with many, we're close with a few, and we have issues with none. That's why we're committing so much energy. That's why six months ago we bought Pastor Chris on staff. We believe so much in our need to, to, to bolster this part of our congregation that we're saying let's invest time, money, and resources into this. Make sense? So, you can fill in the answers if you want. So... Let's just talk about these today. 
And we'll kind of go back and forth. But Pastor Chris, I want you to talk about how will a person get into a connect group? All right. Um, so if you notice at the top of the sheet, uh, it talks about connect group. And way at the bottom, it says that it says group link. And it says Monday, March, or Sunday, March 24th at 6.30 p.m. So this is going to be an event where everybody who is interested in being a part of a connect group can gather together. We're going to have it here at church. And there's ultimately going to be two phases to it. The first one is we're going to all gather together in the sanctuary. We're going to talk a little bit about small groups, what they mean, what they, what they look like. And um, then after that, we're going to turn everybody loose into um, the uh, cafe area out there. We're going to have some snacks and some refreshments. And we're going to allow people to naturally get together um, and start talking about small groups, what what you might want to get out of your small group, uh, what you want your small group to look like. And as people kind of gather together, um, we're going we're gonna to help you form a small group. And the reason for this is, is that we want people to um, form groups with people that they have a connection with, people that they feel like they have something in common with. We, we want to do the opposite of what, that, of what uh, somebody was suspecting. We want you to pick your small group. We don't want to pick your small group for you. And so we think that this is going to um, help in forming fellowship in small groups right away because you're going to be forming a group with people that you are already naturally drawn to in a social setting. And so on that night, you're going to be able to um, form your own small group and decide some of how that small group is going to look. So the power is in your hands, not in ours. Correct. And, we're, and this is a different style. Something that, that neither Pastor Chris or I have done. And as you guys, if you're visiting or you know this, the churches that I've pastored in the past were small group-based churches. Where 85% of plus of the people attended small groups every week. I've never done this kind of a small group before. Where we let you pick. But here's what we've learned. You don't tell an American what to do. It's not a compliment about us. Um, our Americanism and individualism overrides our Christian humility is what really happens and no one tells an American what to do. So we've learned, let's just go with it and allow people to form their own groups together. And so um, we're going to give guidance for that. We'll kind of kind of, sort of have a couple groups. We kind of have planned a little bit behind the scenes to kind of make sure things are going to work. A couple, But we're going to let the people choose when you meet, how you meet, what you do, what you study, all that stuff, and who you meet with. Now, when you said it's people you're going to gravitate to, it might not be people you know already, but it might be people at the same stage of life. It might be people who, you see other people who all got kids, and you say, well, you know, I'd really like to meet with other people who are kind of my age and have kind of my stage of life. And so we're going to try to help you form those groups. Okay? So that's how connect groups are going to be, um, that's how you're going to get into a connect group. And then, periodically, throughout the year, why don't you talk about that? We'll have more connect groups. Yeah, we'll have more, we'll have more group link events. Um, uh, one more thing about the, uh, about the gathering and forming your own groups. We will have kind of a step-by-step walkthrough of, we're not going to say, well, you guys are all on your own now, you just figure it out. We'll have kind of step-by-step instructions on when you get together and you find a group of people you want to get involved with, well, we'll guide you on how to get going. Okay, so you're not going to be on your own. But we are going to periodically throughout the year, probably about three times a year, have this type of group link event. So if you miss out on the first one or you're, you know, a little bit on the fence about it and you don't come to the first one, that's okay because we're going to have them throughout the year. So hopefully we will get more and more groups starting um, throughout the year. 
Uh, so you, if you miss that first opportunity, you're going to have another opportunity within the next probably four months uh, to get involved in a group. Correct. And so that kind of goes to the next question. Can others join a connect group after it's been started? Why don't you talk about that? Okay, well, what has been found out is that um, real community starts building when you uh, spend time with one another, right? I, I don't think that that's a mystery. Um, when you spend time with people, you begin to trust them, you begin to open up to them. And you build that comfort level up with them the more you spend time with them. What ends up happening, though, a lot of times is in traditional small groups, small groups uh, that I've been involved in is sometimes someone along the way will say, hey, you know, well, they'll invite somebody else to come in or somebody else will hear about your small group and want to come and visit. That's good. However, what happens is, is that it messes up the whole dynamic that has been established. And all that comfort level and all that trust that allows people to share and to be open with one another is eliminated when you introduce a stranger into the mix, you know, two, three months into it. And so um, what we are going to say is that once we go through the formative process of having a small group, which is an initial period of about a couple months that we're going to close off the group. And everybody's going to make a pact that this is our group and, and we're going to be together um, throughout the life of this group. Now, if it comes out that your group is rather on the small side or um, you just feel compelled to, um, to have somebody in there, if the whole group decides together as a group that you want to invite this other person to come in, then that's okay, but you have to honor everybody's wishes. And if there's somebody that's uncomfortable with it or would like to keep the group the way it is, you've made that pact with everybody in that group so that you maintain that comfort level, you maintain that level of trust, and so that um, the openness and the sharing, the flowing of, of uh, people ministering and sharing to one another isn't cut off by somebody else new introduced into the group. Right. That what, something he said in there leads us to the next question that I'll that I'll talk about here. Um, he talked about the the life of the group. Here's one of the problems that happens in small groups that I've developed and run, and I've been a small group leader forever and ever, and oversaw small group ministries. Is that people go once I'm in this thing, I'm in here till I die. Um, this is what they found about small groups. All the studies, a small group usually lasts about two years, and after two years, it's pretty much done. And so what we do, what we're doing is we're building that into the process. We have a life cycle of our small groups. Our small groups are going to start off with a, a period of time dealing about developing community. At the end of that time, the group will be closed. People will make a pact to stay together for about another year to year and a half. In that year to year and a half, maybe up to two years, people are going to go through a life cycle. Where we're going to give you some directions and we're going to say, you know what, we'd like you to do a study on a life stage that you're in. You'll choose the study, and I'll talk about how you're going to do it in a minute. Matter of fact, if you can be pulling that up. The, the life study, you're going to choose a study about a life, a, a period of maybe child rearing or, or retirement or whatever fits your group. Then we're going to say, now do a study on a book of the Bible or a theme of the Bible. And you'll pick a group about that. The last cycle will be, now do one about reaching out to the world, about evangelism basically. At the end of that cycle, the group is done. 
It's going to last between a year and a half and two years total. When the group is done, if you want to get back in a small group, you come back to a group connect. The whole group can stay the same if you want, or you can all disband and go to different groups, or you can say, I'm tired of small groups. So there's a life cycle built into the small groups. So it's constantly going to keep small groups going, developing. There's always going to be groups starting and always going to be groups finishing once it gets going over the next couple of years. Now, what's been brought up on the screen, and I come up here so I can see it, is how, what kind of materials are we going to use? We as a church belong, to, we support or subscribe to a ministry called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is a, it's kind of like Netflix. Who knows what Netflix is? Streaming video. We've, we, for our small groups, purchased this, um, this uh, media uh, program so that all of the people in our church and all the people in our small groups will be able to stream live into your small groups um, all of these various thousands and thousands and thousands of studies that you get to pick what do you want to study as a group. So you'll go there, you have, you'll meet in a house that has internet, and uh, you will stream your video in there. You need a, you need a laptop um, or a computer, stream it on, put it on a TV screen, and this is what you'll choose from. There's thousands of choices. You're the one who's going to get to choose which resources you look at. We'll just give you suggestions on, hey, second cycle, second part of the, of the life cycle, you should do something based on a Bible or a Bible theme, and you'll pick it as a group. What do you want to do? So you'll go on it together, you'll look at it together, and you'll make your choices off of Right Now Media. And so that's how we're starting the small groups. Eventually, what we'd like to add in maybe a year or so is doing some sermon-based small groups where we'll actually develop groups where you have the opportunity to discuss the Sunday sermon in your small group. Um, but we're going to start with this right now because this takes the pressure off of people feeling like somebody in the group has to be a teacher. This way, the teacher are, are the people on these, on these um, videos and on the streaming, and so that, that will be the teaching component of it. Then you'll discuss it and ask questions, or discuss it as a group at the end of it. So, that's kind of uh, um, what we'll be studying in a small group, the life cycles. Um, talk about quickly, because we're kind of running out of time here. Yeah. What would a typical Connect group get-together be like? Just kind of give them a, a rough overview of what the group would look like. Uh, internet, for those of you who have been in small groups before, it's not going to be... Um, a drastic change from what you're used to as far as the actual meeting is concerned. We're going to encourage people to gather together, um, spend time in fellowship, um, to have a video-based study, of course, and then have some discussion afterwards. Um, to pray for one another, um, have a time of prayer where you can pray for each other's needs or pray for other needs that you're aware of. And then a time of fellowship afterwards where if you choose, you can have food. Most good Can't Christian people food. do have food Can't and food. Um, just have a time of fellowship and, and um, making those connections that is one of the driving purposes behind the small groups or the connect groups. So it won't be um, very much different from what you're used to already. And uh, let me just make one comment about that that maybe you've never thought of. You know, we really believe in a life of the Spirit, life of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're, but remember, we said we've been bought with a price, and we're now temples of the Holy Spirit. I believe the greatest place to see spiritual gifts used where the Spirit of the Lord ministers most, most um, powerfully by His gifts is in small group ministry. Yeah. Because it doesn't work good in a big group. Where it works best is in a small group where you really get to know each other, you can really feel safe, and you can allow the Holy Spirit to flow into you and through you to minister to other people. So you want to be really a person who experiences the fullness of the Spirit? 
fullness of the Spirit is experienced the best in small group ministries. Now let me just answer the last question real briefly and then we'll, then we'll close. It's, and I put this last for, I was going to put it first, but I thought you'd shut your ears off, so I put it last. Will everyone join a connect group? No, not everyone. I would say this. Our goal is be friends with many, be close to the few, have issues with none. If you're close to the few in another way, and you're really being close and you're really ministering to one another, you already got it. But I would say this, as we've examined the church and looked at our left arm, we've recognized that we don't do that real well at Portview. And so I would say this, I would say most of us need to be in a, in a connect group. I'm going to be in a connect group, all of our pastoral staff are going to be in connect groups, and we really believe that this is God's next step for the church. Now we understand, some of you say, but I'm really busy, I already come to church on Sunday, I'm a, I do stuff on Wednesday night. I would say this, if you're a teacher on Wednesday night, we're going to do something that we've not done before. We're going to say that primarily people who are really busy just meet twice a month instead of four times a month. Some of you, you come on a Wednesday night, you're just, you've been for 30 years coming to a Wednesday night class. I'm going to tell you this, stop coming to a Wednesday night class. The Wednesday night Bible study and go to a small group, a connect group. I believe it's better for your spiritual life. You're going to minister. God's going to raise you up. And so you say, well, there's some things I might have to give up. Right. You can give some stuff up. But you know what? We know this. We've got a really strong Wednesday night ministry, primarily to kids, and then to, spe- to certain needs. Divorce care, single and parenting, divorce care for kids. I do the new convert. And that new convert, if you've been part of that, kind of the new, new, new person to Christ group, um, it's been functioning just like a connect group for years and years and years. That's what I run on Wednesday nights. It's basically a connect group. That's why we spend a lot of time talking first, getting to know each other. We're building intimacy. The only thing we don't have is cl- it's not closed because it's in the church building. But you know what? I believe there's things that you'll never have in your life if you're not close with a few people. And, what, and we, can, it, we can wish for things to happen or we can intentionally accomplish it. This is our best attempt at intentionally accomplishing what God's called this church to do. One of God's purposes for his church is to connect authentically with other people in the church family. That's what we see. Look at read Acts 2, the New Testament church. They spent time together. That's authentic community. Um, church is not an event. We are the church. And God intends for us to connect together. So some of you say, oh, I did small groups in the past. I don't want to do it again. You know what? These are going to be different. These are going to be better. And uh, if I would challenge you, be part of one. All right? Let's stand together this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you, God, that we have been doing everything to hear your voice and follow your plan for Portview Church. That, God, things are going so well that you're blessing us so much, and we thank you for that. And I would pray now, God, for every single person in this place, that they would sense your nearness like never before. That, God, if there would be anyone here who says, I don't really know Christ, that today they would open up their heart and say, I need Jesus in my life. And, God, they would turn to somebody who knows you and say, what do I do next? So, Father, bless this congregation. May your spirit just fill them to fullness. And God, now turn us loose as a kingdom of priests to go out into this world and expand your kingdom for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in Christ.